0: The modern incandescent light bulb for you younger folk in the world, especially those on YouTube, the incandescent bulb is the one that Thomas Edison created with a filament on the inside and it gets really hot. You can't touch it when it's on. Okay, so the modern incandescent light bulb, which has been widely used today, was invented by Thomas Edison in 1879. And as the story goes, he presumably had found some 10,000 ways that did not work. 10,000 ways in which he failed before finding the one that did work. And in research and in clarity, what he actually found was the filament that lasted the longest and became the most successful. That is really what he he found after his 10,000 fails. So for many of us growing up, me included the 100-watt light bulb. Incandescent light bulb was a standard go-to light bulb source for sufficient lighting in a room. Anything less than that just would not work. A 60 watt, a 40 watt would just not be enough, Okay, So you especially did not use the 40 watt globe because it was about the brightness of a candle. You would need a couple of those in your room. Now, as great as the incandescent light bulb was and still is, besides its energy consumption issues, as great as the incandescent light bulb is, as good it was 100 years ago until today, there's been nothing that can compare to LED lighting. We've got two LED lights right here. Nothing compared to LED lighting. Besides the, the energy consumption, the brightness of LED lighting surpasses the incandescent bulb in enormous ways, absolutely enormous ways. In the past, if I walked into a room that had a 40-watt light bulb I needed, and I was looking for something, I needed a flashlight. Okay, I've got a 40 watt LED light that shines and brightens my entire backyard. That is how awesome, how great an LED light is. And as great as uh, the incandescent is, there's nothing that comes in comparison in terms of luminance and brilliance than the former incandes- than the current incandes- uh, the LED. So this message today, this morning, is entitled "Greater Glory." And we're going to be looking again at Haggai 2, verses 1 to 9. Haggai 2, verses 1 to 9. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with us to Haggai 2, verse 1 to 9. We're still working out the technology. And so we don't have the words up on the screen, unfortunately. We will get there. We're getting the guys sped up and trained up as quick as possible. And as the moment, they're confident we'll take them to the next level. So if they thought they are there yet, they're not. There's another level still to come. Haggai 2. Verses 1 to 9. Okay. One of the last books of the Old Testament. So you find Matthew, go back a couple of pages, you'll find it there. Let's read together. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty." The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come today... In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we come to commit our lives, our hearts afresh to you, and to hear what it is that you have to say. We pray, Father God, that this word would not simply remain in our mind, but would travel to our heart. We ask, Father God, that your word would not return to your void, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in my previous message last week, glory upon glory, we traced the history of the people of Israel till their time of exile to Babylon. And we considered their return from exile as a parallel experience to our returning to church. With the temple having been destroyed, the first temple, the manner of worship that the Israelites were used to before the exile was no more. They could no longer worship as they used to. They could no longer worship as they were instructed to. They could no longer worship as they were raised to do. And as we have returned from our own time away, from what we were used to, we too have returned to a manner of worship that is not the same. No intimate fellowship. No uninhibited singing. And like the Israelites weeping at the temple foundation, we too weep in our hearts as we reflect on what we had before and what we have now. But the word of encouragement by Haggai to the Israelites that day is that the glory of the latter temple, the glory of the second temple that they were busy building, the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former. And my encouragement, word of encouragement to us to you last week and yet even today is that even though we have less than what we have had in the past, what we will accomplish in the days going forward will be greater than what has been accomplished in the days that have gone past. And even though we do not know what exactly we are to do and how it will look like in the days going forward, weeks and months ahead, we don't know yet exactly what that's going to look like. The glory of this latter time will be greater the glory of the former because despite what the locusts have devoured despite what the devil has taken jesus said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and because jesus said this i can with confidence declare to you that the glory of this latter time will be greater than the glory of the former Because it is the nature of God to draw glory to himself. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus. Who accomplishes this through us. God's children. The redeemed of Christ. But I want to show you, dear brothers and sisters, that this is not merely a personal opinion of mine. Spurred by the Spirit of God to awaken and ignite a fiery passion within you for the glory of God? Rather, I want to show you that this is a truth of Scripture spoken through the prophet Haggai some two and a half thousand years ago to a people far removed from us today, yet is a message to us even today. You see, when the prophet says that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former, what does he mean? What does he mean? Biblical scholars and commentators, much wiser and more knowledgeable than I, have for hundreds of years sought to find the answer to that question. We can, like they, only speculate as to the exactness of that revelation. The temple that the Babylonians destroyed was that temple that Solomon built. Grand in its design and fixtures, the foundation of the second temple came nowhere close to what was before. This is why God says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? God himself acknowledges that Solomon's temple was greater But more than being greater in design, it contained the very seat of God on earth. On the day of its dedication, God's presence in the form of a cloud filled the temple, so much so, that the priests could not perform their duties. For God to now declare that this latter temple, smaller in size and undoubtedly to be lesser in adornment and fixtures, For God to declare that the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former is to be making a noteworthy declaration. But what did God mean? What did He mean? Herod the Great, the Jewish ruler at the time of Jesus' birth, sought to fulfill this prophecy. He sought to fulfill it. It is recorded that he totally refurbished the second temple, refurbished the size to that of Solomon's, and said that in order to do so, he had to reduce the temple to its foundation. Herod sought to fulfill this prophecy. Solomon's temple destroyed, second temple, foundation. God says it's not going to be any, it's it's smaller, it's going to be greater. But for hundreds of years, in size and adornment, it was not great. So, Herod the Great comes along and he says, "You know what? I want to fulfil this prophecy. I want to fulfil this prophecy." So he raises the temple to the ground, and he rebuilds it. He rebuilds it. This is a known historical fact. Haggai's prophecy and Ezra's recordings of the happenings of that day where there, where there was both rejoicing and weeping because of the remembrance of the former temple is proven true by documented history. So grand, let me give you, so grand was Herod's vision of fulfilling this prophecy. So grand to make this latter temple more glorious than the former. It took him eight years to collect the supplies before he even began building. Eight years to collect the supplies. This gives us greater insight in what led to the disjointed understanding of Jesus' words in John chapter 2 where he says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. It took eight years just to collect the supplies, just to begin. But to give you yet greater insight into the magnificence of Herod's expansion, the Jews themselves respond to Jesus in John chapter two, and they say, "It has taken 46 years. It has taken 46 years for the temple to be what you see it today." Jesus, how are you going to build it in three days? And there was another 40 years after that time that they continued to build the temple. That is the glorious vision that Herod sought to fulfill. Sought to fulfill. It was so colossal. So colossal it could house up to a million people. With the stones of the outer walls weighing an average, average of 10 tons each. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up an illusion on its own that Haggai's prophecy was not speaking of a physical temple building. Many commentators have over the years attributed the prophecy of the greater glory being that of Jesus himself, alluding to the physical presence in the temple at the time of his ministry on earth as being the evidence of that greater glory. And yet there are a few others who feel that this is not the full extent of the fulfillment You see, whilst there is no dispute that in part Jesus' presence in and out and around the second temple, the latter temple of Haggai's text, there is no dispute that Jesus' presence brought with it a sense of this prophetic word, even if it was unknown and unseen to the Jews of his day. And whilst many commentators would hold to this view, there are some, such as Adam Barnes, who would say that it, could not be, uh, that it could not be alone, this. Because he says, Jesus says in John chapter 14, that he as a son is not greater than the father. Speaking of Jesus in his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So if Jesus himself recognized that he was not greater than the, fa- the Father, then Barnes's inference is that Haggai's prophecy cannot be in reference to Jesus alone. There has to be more. Now it's interesting to note that the Hebrew word for house in Haggai's verse 9 is bayeth, which is referenced to a great many applications, including and by definition especially to family households. The word for house used here, whilst correctly used for temple, has as its core definition special application for family households. Now that Hebrew word that was used has its own root word, which is derived from, how's this? Banar. And the definition for this word is to build. So the very word itself that is translated as house, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. That very word alone means to build, could mean to build family households. And here is where the house word is transported from being applicable to not only the temple. In that this build to build, banar root, means both literally and figuratively. Literally and figuratively to build. So it's not a thing that it could be literally or could be figuratively, but rather when that particular word is used. It means both literally and figuratively. The glory of this latter house, both literally and figuratively, will be greater than the glory of the former house in which my very presence rested. And as I asked last week, are you grasping the significance of what God is saying through Haggai? Are you grasping that? Last week, as we developed the message from the grand beginning of creation through to the time of the exile and return, we took only a high-level summarized view, allowing us to see the link between Haggai's prophecy and the exodus from Egypt as declared by God through Haggai. God had remained faithful to His promise, and here in Haggai's prophecy, He, that is God, is linking this declaration of greater glory... God Himself is linking this prophetic word back to the time of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. The history of their journey has not been lost or forgotten by God. And God was reminding them that His covenant, His promise, remains yet ever more true. All that went before has not been lost and was not in vain. Because here we stand. Yeah, you stand at the foundation of something that is seemingly lesser, and yet I, the sovereign Lord God, am saying that it will be greater. That is what God is saying to the Israelites. What we did not do last week was we did not go, we did not go beyond this passage of time. And we need to, because there's more to suggest that Haggai's prophecy goes beyond jesus alone for you see god says further in verse 9 he says further in verse 9 through haggai he says and in this place i will grant peace the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the lord god almighty and in this place in this latter house i will grant peace declares the lord almighty Now, it's a known fact that peace has rarely been something for the nation of Israel. Very rarely have they had peace. Shortly after the second temple is built, Nehemiah comes to rebuild the city walls. He has half the builders stand guard and the other half build. With this instruction, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpets, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Does that sound like peace? Antiochus Epiphanes plunders the temple in 169 BC and desecrates it in 167 BC, commanding that sacrifices be made to Zeus on the altar. That doesn't sound like peace. The Maccabean revolt begins in 166 BC. The Romans captured Jerusalem in 63 BC and Marcus Licinius Crassus plunders the temple treasury in 54 BC. During this time, there are Zealots and Sicarii who incite rebellion, insurrection, and terrorism. Finally, the second temple, the latter house spoken of in Haggai's prophecy, is destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And in this house, in this place, I will grant peace. Declares the Lord God Almighty. Haggai's prophecy could never be said to be speaking of Christ alone. There would have to be more, there would have to be something else. On this, Spurgeon agrees making reference to this passage of scripture and the second temple, acknowledging that his interpretation of it goes contrary to the great majority of Christian expositors, Spurgeon says that this text has reference to both the literal second temple as well as the true second temple, the spiritual temple. This is why I am able to stand before you today and to, to declare to you comfortably and confidently That when God says to the prophet Haggai that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former, that God is speaking of you, even you out in the world. God is speaking to you, the redeemed children of God. For Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Christ who dwells in you by His Holy Spirit, Christ in you is the hope of glory. You, the redeemed child of God, the born again saved believer, you are the greater glory of this spiritual temple. Because Christ in you goes beyond any border or any limitation that any physical temple building could ever Reach. The glory of Christ in you is carried wherever you go. It reaches further than any brick and mortar or ten-ton stone brick building could ever reach. Christ in you is the hope of glory, and therefore the glory of the latter house, the latter household of God, will be and is already greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place that is yours by salvation... There is peace. There is peace. Because the Prince of Peace has made his place in your heart. When Jesus died on the cross, as magnificent and as majestic as Herod had made the rebuilt second temple, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil between the Holy of Holies A curtain as thick as the width of a man's hand. The veil between the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. Peace between man and God had been accomplished. And in this place, I will grant peace. in the spiritual temple of the saved people of God, I will grant peace. Not peace from the trials and tribulations of this world, but peace with God. And that the wrath of God has been appeased because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, peace with God can only be accomplished through salvation in Jesus. You need to hear that out there. Peace with God can only be accomplished through salvation in Jesus. You may right now still be exiled from God in your unbelief of His grand purpose to save you. But when you come to salvation in Christ, you too will become a part of the greater glory Of the true spiritual second temple don't wait another day don't wait another day before making a decision or a commitment to Jesus because the Son of God is coming again and when he comes again on the clouds with a blast of a trumpet he comes not as a peacemaker but as a king He comes as a king to take those who are redeemed to Him and to exercise judgment on those who are not. Don't wait another day. Maybe you're already a part of the greater glory of this true spiritual second temple. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you. Now take your glory further take your glory further to the uttermost ends of the world and spread the hope of glory wherever your foot treads. You go to the shopping mall, your foot is treading, you're spreading glory. You go to the schools, your foot is treading, you're spreading glory. You go to your workplace, your foot is treading, you're spreading glory. You can reach further and farther than any building could ever reach. Christ in you, the hope of glory is the greater glory of the second true spiritual temple. And you can go far beyond what this building can ever reach. Ever reach. Take your glory further. Take your glory further because there are hundreds and thousands of people who every single day die outside of not knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. The current figures: is 155,000 people every single day who die outside of Christ. Run some numbers. Do the calculations. They will never know the peace of God that he wishes to give them if we do not take it to them. Friends, this is the divine purpose of the church. It is the divine purpose of the church Go and make disciples of all nations. Take your glory further. Take God's glory in you, in Christ Jesus, further. As we draw this to a close, there are only 47 days left to Christmas. 47 days before we celebrate the remembrance of Jesus coming to earth. So that the hope of glory could fill our hearts, making us able to share peace to the world. There are many messianic prophecies that come from this post exilic period. Haggai has been one that would inextricably link us, ourselves, us today. Two and a half thousand years later with the arrival and birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory, a glory declared to be greater than God's own original presence. You are the product of the new covenant, and you shine brighter than whatever has gone before. The remembrance celebration of Jesus' Advent birth is a hope to which all nations can cling to. Manifest in each child of God as witness and a testimony of God's grace and favour, that is Christmas. We are at peace with God because of Jesus. For this we give thanks in what should be immeasurable ways, least of not, should be our very selves for His service and His purpose. Greater glory means greater ability to win more souls for salvation shine bright and shine forth show the way to the bright morning star Jesus Christ the Son of God let us pray gracious Heavenly Father we we thank you that we are at peace with you because of Jesus we the redeemed Saved children of God are at peace with you because of Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. We thank you, Father God, that Christ indwelling in us is the hope of glory. We thank you, Father God, that we can take that glory further. We thank you, Father God, that we are not removed. From the prophetic word that Haggai gave two and a half thousand years ago as much as he showed the Israelites at the time that what was being accomplished right there by the building of the second temple reminding them of the covenants coming out of Egypt we are reminded through Haggai that we are a part of God's glory we are a part of God's greater glory To reach the uttermost ends of the world for his glory. Father, I pray for those who do not know you. Every single one of us sitting here watching this, if we are a saved child of God, we know people in our lives, family, friends, acquaintances who are not saved. We pray, Lord, that you would save them. We pray, Lord, that you would save them and even our enemies. We pray, Father God, that if we don't know Christ as personal Lord and Savior, we pray that you would help us to make that decision, and that commitment, not later, not tomorrow, not another time, but today and even right now. We pray, Father God, that you help us to take your glory further. In Jesus Christ's name, and for your glory's sake we pray. Amen. now the blessing of God. Let us pray. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you very much. Join us next week and a reminder about communion next week.